Hello, Charter folk. Great to be with you today. As many of you will remember, we've decided here at Charter Folk that we're just going through a period where there's just so much challenge in the environment that we need to do a better job of just bringing oxygen into rooms, allowing people to access new resiliency, new energy during this time of challenge for charter schools and for all of public education beyond anything that we've seen before. And when I was doing a mental inventory of who are all the extraordinary people I've come into contact with who have specialized in bringing oxygen into rooms, who are people that have been able to energize me, who are people that have inspired me you know, with their own resiliency, at the very top of the list is Linda Brown. And so when I reached out to Linda and heard that she would be willing to be a part of a Charter Folk Oxygen Bar conversation, I was absolutely thrilled. As Charter Folk will know, Linda Brown is a legend in our movement. Uh, she is in the National Charter School Hall of Fame. She was the founder of Building Excellence Schools, and she continues to do an unbelievable job of helping kids and communities access improved education. And she does so overcoming such insurmountable obstacles all the time. So I'm just absolutely thrilled to have Linda here with us. Linda, <laughs> thank you so much for being here. Thank you for, for everything you've ever done and for all the inspiration you've offered to me over so many years. But thank you for being here today to share thoughts with folks uh, about about uh, the oxygen bar. Uh, let, me, let me just ask you, uh, what is it, Linda? What is that special thing that you have that allows you to just keep pushing forward on behalf of kids, the resiliency that you can find, but also the way that you rub off on others, like you've rubbed off on me to help people get through what would seem to be insurmountable challenges. I don't know. I have no way to answer that. I would say <laughs> it's my stubbornness. It's uh, it's a total belief system and I don't want anyone to mess with it. And that makes me very stubborn. And at that same time, it keeps me on point. So the reason I say that I'm not the famous one here, the famous people right now in the broadcast are the fellows I'm bringing to you who have incredible schools. One has been with it for 10 years or more. Usually when you see a lapse in interest, and that's Legra Newman, who absolutely won't give up. She won't and doesn't give up. And a newer addition to a school that is of great moment is uh, Dr. Christopher Manning, who has shown incredible stubbornness. I mean, I do gravitate to the stubborn people. <laughs> and, and I do actually, everyone who's listening, I do take uh, issue with, with um, Jed's using the word that I don't use, I say persistence. He says resiliency, I say persistence. And I think along with persistence is just plain stubbornness. I won't give up, they won't give up. And I give you two people today who never give up, never give up and who I saw, you know, I just thought of an answer to this. The reason that keeps me on point is that I watch what happens to to un to unfinished business i meet christopher manning on a, a zoom calls from kanzabar zanzibar russia I, I, I don't even know half of the places that i've talked to him from 
he's the one and only fellow who's never been, at that time, had never been met in person. And um, that was taking a huge leap for us. And Legra, <laughs> Legra, I think at times didn't know she was going to do it or not because we were so stubborn. We were so stubborn. And one of the first things, Legra, that I, I had to call Legra immediately and say to her, who was that kid? And I did say, kid, who was that child in your first year that then went on YouTube the second year who said, went prompted by Allegra and the teachers, you know, where do you want to go to college? We ever kept talking about college. Of course, none of them had the slightest idea what college meant. And this little tyke was going, I want to go to Harvard University, Harvard University. That got me going. And so that's a reason why I thought Leg was doing an incredible job. And also the child who said, I want to be a paleontologist. The kid was in the first grade and he was saying paleontologist without, without um, issue. So Leg, how do you do it? And it's 10 years plus in. How do you keep doing it? Yeah, so first, um, Linda, it is an honor to be in this conversation with you. I, I mean, I can't believe 10 plus years ago, I was traveling along the journey of building excellent schools and studying some of the most amazing schools across the nation and learning and taking best practices. And I'm just so proud to be the leader of Purpose Prep and have traveled this journey to create what we've been able to create here in Nashville, Tennessee. So thank you. Um, I'll always be so grateful for the investment in me and the support and pushes along the way um, that have gotten us here. I would say what's you know kept me in this work and what's kept me so deeply rooted has definitely been the understanding of my why, which is so personal to me. My why, I remember my personal statement that I wrote to BES and it was, you know, um, speaking about my father. And so um, I'll just briefly share that like both of my parents, I admire and love them so much. Um, they grew up in Washington, DC and they did not receive an excellent education. And because of that, they did everything that they could for me and my siblings to make sure that we did. And I remember, you know, my parents driving almost an hour each way to attend a private school that they thought would best serve me and making really big sacrifices to make sure that I received an excellent education. And that education has shaped me and has shaped my future. Um, what possibilities I've been able to engage in and platforms. And it's it's because of the foundation that I, that I received. Um, and recognizing that so many people don't have that foundation, um, recognizing, you know, how my parents had to push and struggle um, to give us that opportunity because they didn't have it. I'm just invested in making sure that every child receives what they're capable of, what they deserve, um, and want to be a part of creating opportunities for children to receive an excellent education. That's beautifully said. And at the same time, Legra, I'm looking at what you said in your initial application to Nashville, and it, 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 you pretty much capsulized that. But one of the things that you, I want to just push you on this. 
Why is literacy so important? It's all through your application. Big letters, literacy. I mean, you know, I think that there's, you know, saying um, Howard Fuller often says this, right, um, about Black people in general and how um, there was a time when we were not able to sit at the counters in restaurants. And now you have people who can sit at the counters but can't read the menu. Um, and when you think about the legacy of, of, leg of reading and literacy, I mean, I think back to my ancestors who were forbidden to read. Mm -hmm. They were, you know, punished, um, killed even for reading a book, for, you know, learning and discovering letters and words and being able to use that information. Um, and, and the reason for that was because it was a tool of, of empowerment. It was a tool of freedom, right? If I can read, um, I can think beyond my my present situation. I can learn about what's happening um, and 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 be active in that engagement. And so when I think about the the in that case legalized, right? The legal oppression that came with restricting literacy and restricting freedoms as it pertained to knowledge and being able to read and write and learn. Um, it's so important to make sure that we seize that opportunity and we make sure that we um, support our children with those opportunities. It's so important to their future success. It's so important to, you know, the families and the communities and their engagement. Um, and I think that this is a, a struggle that, you know, even though it's not necessarily forbidden, the reality is, I, I believe it's still intentional to make sure that children don't have the tools that support their fullest levels of freedom. And literacy is a tool in that, is a tool of empowerment. And that's why it is acceptable and has been acceptable in our nation for schools to be chronically failing families and communities. Um, and that's why I'm so passionate about the work that I do because, you know, Purpose Prep, I've been trained and I've seen the work um, of other school leaders across this nation, um, many of them building excellent schools that are doing the work to make sure that we circumvent the status quo and make sure that our children have the opportunities that they deserve to be liberated, to be empowered, to experience the fullest levels of freedom. And rooted in that is the acquisition of literacy and being able to have the freedoms of reading, writing, um, and being able to express yourself in, in your own words, in your own language, on, in your own right. Um, and literacy provides that for, for people. Thank you, Lager. This uh, Lager did not know what questions I was going to ask her, so I'm I'm delighted, and I I appreciate everything you just said, Chris. Um, I am I am ever grateful to Zoom because without Zoom, uh, you and I wouldn't know each other. And I was just afraid uh, in my knowing Chris through Zoom. He was, where were you then? Kyrgyzstan? Kyrgyzstan, yes, Central Asia. Uh, and we met uh, once a week because I was so, I didn't know how to handle this. But, uh, you know, you want to talk about stubborn or persistent or resisting. I mean, irresistible he was. But I had to, I had to make sure that I felt that I knew him because I had to represent him to the larger team. And I was afraid that Chris 
couldn't smile because through all of the times we were on Zoom, he never cracked a smile. And I think finally I said to him, do you ever smile? And he smiled and I knew it was okay. But this was uh, someone who wasn't always a full throttle in with what Building Excellent Schools was advocating. And uh, I don't know why, because he's, he's almost the perfect storm. Uh, but the story that I, you know I want you to tell, Chris, is about the studios. Yes. Well, thank you. Thank you, Linda, for inviting me and being able to speak here. Like, Legger Newman's a legend in charter world. I remember studying her school back in the day during a fellowship. So honored to be here again. Thanks for having me here. Our school, our birth story is, is unique in that we are the only school at least in New York State, rather, that opened during the pandemic. So we weren't intending to do that. We designed our school in 2018, started planning in 2019. And then when 2020 rolled around, early 2020, the pandemic became a reality. And many organizations and authorities pretty much told us to stop and do not open, take additional planning year. We said no. Uh, we said we already signed up 70 kids, 70 families. We said we're going to open a school. We're going to open a school. We um, weren't able to bring them inside of a building. We weren't even able to secure a building at that time. We had to secure a temporary building, but we decided, okay, how are we going to equip our kids in order to start the school? Um, prior to that, during the fellowship, as I mentioned, um, and, and Linda knows this, uh, my mother was terminally ill during the fellowship. My mother, uh, my mother lost a battle to ALS, but during her, during her terminal illness, um, I remember going to visit her and I remember that they had converted my niece's bedroom into a hospital room. Um, and I was impressed how the hospice care organization was able to come and convert a space in the house into everything that was required. And a nurse showed up during the week to provide that service. Um, that was with me during this time. And I remember I said, well, you know, what? we already purchased the, the chairs, the desks, all the equipment. Let's just take all this equipment and take it to the kids. Um, so we rented two U-Haul trucks and we took all the chairs, all the desks, um, all of the laptops, Wi-Fi hotspots, all the material, and we delivered it to every child and said, we found this place in the house and said, this is going to be where you go to school. We gave them a privacy backdrop to put on the back of their chair, two uniform shirts, and everything they possibly need to get through the class. And then we purchased two vans and we delivered all their breakfast and lunch every day. So class still started at 8.30 every morning. Every student were, were doing their tasks. Um, we did all of our assessments. We we had a modified schedule to reduce the screen time, but we ran school for the entire year remotely. We did our award ceremonies on their porches. I brought the mascot. We brought the cameras. So, and we we still were able to give them as much as possible a really impactful academic year. Um, and that was to your point, Jeb, the result of stubbornness. Um, when I came back to the United States, I came back to the United States to open the school. Um, the first school I ever opened was in Bangladesh, and those were in some very difficult situations. And I remember uh, when I was thinking to come return to the United States, I wanted to do the exact same thing. I knew I'd have some kind of barriers, but I knew I'd be able to get around them uh, just by using my head and creativity and most importantly, using the team. I'm, I'm a military veteran and teamwork was kind of grained into our heads in the Air Force. And that's what came to surface here in Buffalo. And that's why Buffalo Creek Academy exists. I couldn't be more proud. <laughs> I, uh, Chris, did very much want to be a member of the Building Excellent Schools Fellowship. But when I told him the only place that was left to start a school was Buffalo, 
he said, I, 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 it was that stammer. I mean, he wanted this very badly. But when I said Buffalo to a kid who'd come from California and Arizona and only heard about Buffalo, New York, um, I, I, I would say there was the supreme sacrifice of environment. Uh, it took him two seconds to say yes. Uh, but uh, uh, the, the idea of getting trucks to transport the classrooms to the students, that's got to be an amazing, amazing thought process on your part, even if you have a team of 100. Uh, Chris, talk about being stubborn because that's another way of saying, um, what's that word you use? You use resiliency. Jed uses resiliency. I think it's more than resiliency. I think resiliency is too soft a word. It's just plain, I'm going to do it. Yes. And I just heard that in Chris's voice, I'm going to do it. And you did. I think part and of it I'm, is just telling the team what we want to do and letting them know that we have to do it. There's no other alternative. Right. So we said we have to do it with quality. And I remember we were thinking through, then how do we teach the classes? They have everything they need. Do we have everything I need? And my, my press to them was, hey, Bill and I, the science guy, did it when I was a kid. He was able to keep me on the edge of my seat about science through the television screen. He didn't have a touch screen. It wasn't like he was talking directly to me, right? It wasn't Zoom, but he was able to do that, right? Same thing with the Magic School Bus. I can name so many different shows that enchanted me in terms of education because they, they programmed it right. So we purchased literally studio equipment, and we said to the teachers, you're not going to sit at your desk with a laptop. We're going to bring in lights. Literally, we brought in studio lights, all the audio equipment, and said, you're going to give the best audio visual experience to this kid that they ever, that they ever experienced for math, for geography, social studies, you name it, and you know, make it make it tangible for them and reach through that screen to every child. And we did. So the teachers had studios and every news agency came to see, what are you talking about with studios? We built studios in every classroom and then every kid had their workstation. And we still we still use that to a degree because we still have some kids who are at home because the pandemic is still happening here in Western New York. So they have an element of their studios in their classroom still for our kids who are at home. And those kids who are at home still have their workstations. And those kids who are on campus are still on campus. They were running school. And when I talk to the senior leaders, that's what we talk about. We talk about our non-negotiables. We're going to do school. If we're going to do it, we're going to do it right and as best we can. And that was our push. So I think that fed the stubbornness. Excellent. Excellent. I, I don't know where to go with this because you've heard the stories, just two stories. That's two stories out of 129 or 140 stories. But it's two stories of schools that are doing an excellent job. I think, you know, my, my job all along has not been about mere schmear schools. It's been about schools that excel, that are show-off schools. And that doesn't mean they show off. It means that their students are showing up and showing off every single day, every single day. So thank you so much, Jed, for having having us be part of an oxygen bar. <laughs> well, Linda, uh, thank you so much. Uh, as ever, you just bring oxygen into every room. Legra and Chris, thank you so much uh, for sharing your stories. You know, I think that, um, Chris, I want to return to your story. Um, about uh, your mom's last illness um, and finding within that experience something that ended up being of great value to your children and to your school. 
I think that there's something about people operating at those stakes. When it's those stakes, it just comes through the whole culture of the place. And there's a groundedness, right? There's a seriousness. There's a, we're going to be at each other's backs and things are incredibly difficult right now, but we'll find a way, right? And, you know, ALS is really at the heart of how Charter Folk came about in the first place. Um, a very important friend of mine, a person who I learned more about charter schools than anybody else in my career when I was back at High Tech High, his name is Brian Bennett. He was uh, unfortunately suffering from ALS, <clears throat> the, the kind that takes the voice first. And also Brian was among the most articulate people I'd ever met in my entire life. And one of the last gestures that he was able to do professionally was to serve as an endorser for me as I applied to the California Charter School Association. And one Tuesday morning, they called me and they told me that I had been chosen. And Brian was near the end then, right? I called my wife and I shut off my phone. And I, dry, I drove over to Brian Bennett's house and I found him. And I made a promise to him that for however long I would be within this role, I would make sure that the voice of Brian Bennett for what shall be forever heard. The amazing thing is that in the context of doing my work for charter schools, I've just come in contact with so many people whose voices need to be heard. And what I've realized is the promise that I brought to Brian is the promise that I should bring to as many charter school people as I can possibly find. Extraordinary people like Linda Brown, but extraordinary people like you, Legra, extraordinary people like you, Chris, you have my promise. I will always be out there trying to make sure that your stories are better appreciated. And please bring me others because I know how many there are within this extraordinary movement of ours. So to all of you, I thank you for being a part of this oxygen bar. I look forward to staying in contact. I hope at Charter Folk that we can find a way to make your stories even more understood and more elevated in the months and the years ahead. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me.